everyone. Welcome back to the Crucial Talks podcast. I'm your host, Mike Saddam. This week, I've been working on a presentation I'll be giving on recruitment and retention. The audience for that presentation is focused on recruitment and retention, but when you peel back the layers, their concerns are very similar to the concerns we have in leadership, safety, and communication. Namely, these two things. How do you engage with people so that they are more interested in your group than someone else's? What this means to them is, how do we get good candidates to come to us rather than a competitor? What makes us different? And how can we let people know that this makes us different? What will draw them to us? And the second thing is, once they get people to join their organization and join their team, how do you keep them? So one of the slides I use is Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And I separate that pyramid into two parts. Money market motivators at the bottom of the pyramid and social market motivators at the top of the pyramid. I doubt if there's anyone listening right now that has not at least heard of Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. It seems to be a staple in discussions involving the needs people have and how this can affect their performance. In this episode, we take a slightly different approach to Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. We're going to discuss the role of identity and specifically how belonging to an in-group can help people reach different rungs of Maslow's hierarchy. So let's start with a quick rundown about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. In 1943, he suggested that people are motivated by the lowest unsatisfied need in the following order. Physiological needs like food, water, and rest. Safety needs like security, predictability, order. Love needs like affection and group belonging. Esteem, such as self-respect and reputation. And then self-actualization, which is self-fulfillment and achievement. So the most popular way people have visualized Maslow's hierarchy of needs is by imagining a triangle with physiological needs at the bottom and self-actualization all the way at the top, at the, at the peak of the pyramid. Now this helps us because it allows us to visualize how a need like food, water, or rest can possibly prevent other types of motivation. Although this definitely is an easy way to think about the hierarchy, it's a little bit deceiving. If we don't realize that we are dealing with people, because when you're dealing with people, you know this, nothing's 100%. Even Maslow admitted that a need doesn't have to be 100% fulfilled before other needs can serve as motivating factors. I mean, there's going to be situations where a, pe- a person uh, may be hungry or have a lower need, but they're pushing forward because of the need for something like love or, or esteem. And the reason this is is because we know that people are social animals, and social motivation can be more powerful than material motivation. And I believe that many of our organizations, teams, and other groups can be thought of as social systems. That's why the role of identity is so important. Identity in social systems is where I think we can impact how people behave and the decisions they make. We've discussed the role of identity in driving the way people behave and the decisions they make. These identities have particular behaviors assigned to them that a person believes is how a prototype of that identity is supposed to behave. For instance, if somebody has adopted a role and they know how that role is supposed to behave in certain situations, when those situations present themselves, that's the way the person's going to behave. Maslow's hierarchy of needs, although it's not 100% accurate in all cases, I mean, nothing ever is, it can help us shed more light on motivation and how identity plays a significant role in that motivation. Now, much of what I speak about and write about in leadership, safety, and communication has roots in the social identity approach to human behavior. Because of that, I believe that bringing people into groups and bringing groups closer together can help fulfill many of the needs beyond those lower level needs. When we look at Maslow's hierarchy, 
we see that people who do not have security or do not feel as if they belong to the group will be more difficult to motivate. A person's basic safety needs can be met by group belonging. Now think of our ancestors who joined together to protect each other and provide for basic needs like food and shelter. And I mean, think way back to our ancestors, hunters and gatherers. And we can start to understand that social needs can serve as basic necessities. We can see how things like contentment and performance can be impacted when social needs are not met. To better understand the role of identity in generating conditions for higher motivation and performance, let's quickly consider the identities that may be present in a person. People could identify as an animal, a human being, member of a company, member of a team, member of a profession, or a family member. And at the lowest rungs are those most basic identities, like just being a human being, an animal that needs food and shelter. At those lower levels, the person may only be concerned with physiological needs like animals surviving in the wild, and shelter needs since human beings lack the protection animals have and therefore need clothing, a dry and warm place to live, so forth and so on. Now, as we move up Maslow's hierarchy, we move out of the bottom rungs from physiological needs through safety needs and into more social motivations like love and esteem. Then, once someone gets to the pinnacle of the hierarchy, the person becomes concerned for their own individual performance and how their performance compares to others in the group. If we want to change behavior using identity, we should focus on getting people to want to be part of the group. They need to recognize that belonging to the group and adopting the group's identity will result in esteem. This can result in people that are motivated to perform in a way where they will feel better about themselves. Because as people adopt the behaviors and expectations of their group, they feel better the closer they get to being the most prototypical member of their group. The closer they get to that ideal group member, the better they feel. So the esteem generated from the knowledge that they are acting as a member of the group affects how they perform as an individual. This is why it's important to understand that the underlying beliefs of the group are significant driving factors. Another way to say this when dealing with a concept like safety is knowing how work is actually being done, not just how you might envision it being done. And think about this in another way. When there's strong group cohesion, other members of the group, they also want to hit that pinnacle and act as a prototypical member of the group. That's why the underlying assumptions of that group are so important to what the group actually does. Not just what's written in policy, but what is actually believed by that group to be good behavior. Another way to say this is, if identity was a target, watching other members get closer to prototypical behavior gives all the other group members a smaller bullseye to hit. So the closer they get to the top of that pyramid, the more focused they get on their behaviors and how that relates to the prototypical member of the group, gives other people something to follow and aim for. So imagine that hierarchy of needs again. As we move up that hierarchy, our identities narrow, and we move into the realm where esteem is necessary. So a lot of what we have discussed points to internal motivation as a key driver of human behavior. People are not resources like a machine or office supplies. In fact, that's why we can see the role of identity when dealing with others. We can see them as more than just workers who must listen to our orders to earn a paycheck. We can also avoid seeing workers as resources that need to be watched to make sure we get what we are paying for. They're people. Understanding the role of identity in motivating behavior also helps move people from being just managers of things to leaders of people. Complex human beings are what makes us so great, and our society is able to accomplish so much. 
People are driven by much more than just the lower rungs of Maslow's hierarchy. People want to get better. They want to learn. They want to contribute. And they want to make things better for, for future generations. True motivation occurs when we hit the three highest rungs of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. This is where social motivation occurs. As a quick reminder, the bottom two rungs of Maslow's hierarchy are physiological needs and safety needs. Most organizations can hit these two lower needs, and these needs can also be considered monetary market motivation. It's pay for performance. It's transactional. The upper three rungs of Maslow's hierarchy, belonging and love, esteem, and self-actualization, those are what exceptional organizations do. Exceptional organizations can hit these higher motivations, and we can think of these as social market motivators. And you can recognize these as intrinsic motivation. Now, I'd be wrong if I said extrinsic motivators don't have a role. They obviously do. However, the need for intrinsic motivation, like self-respect for what you're doing and how you believe you're reviewed by others, is extremely important. People work to get paid. I mean, they still need to pay bills and support themselves and their families. And in addition to that, pay for performance has been shown to work, but only for simple tasks like how many times you can put tab A into slot B. But most of our social systems in our workplaces, families, communities, they're much more complex than just a simple task where pay for performance can work. In order to keep people motivated and engaged, humans need to feel esteem. They need to believe that what they are doing serves a greater purpose. In closing out this podcast, think of motivation as those higher levels of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That'll give you some tools you can kind of come up with to figure out how are you going to bring people to your group and how are you going to keep them there? These are the social needs and motivators that people want, that people need. This helps us consider more than just the transactional approaches to human behavior, such as pay for performance, rewards, or discipline. By looking at social needs, we can understand that motivating factors related to self-respect are sources of satisfaction rather than dissatisfaction. For example, Satisfaction would include things such as recognition, more responsibility, or promotion. Understanding the role of identity and self-esteem and recognition allows the development of rewards that can have a positive impact on someone's behavior. If we can link the behaviors we recognize to the identity of the group we are trying to impact, we'll end up providing status to that identity. This results in a bond between the reward and the behaviors of that identity. This provides people in the group with a feeling of of higher status, and it's a motivating force. This gives us a chance to change someone's behavior because when people have a need to relate to the group they belong to, they'll change their behavior in order to, to start striving toward that prototypical view of what a group member's behavior is supposed to be. In other words, being recognized as part of the group increases a person's standing and self-esteem. Thinking about the social motivation at the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs can only help us treat people as the complex social animals we are and not simple transactional resources that are only capable of if-then reasoning. We really are stronger together, and if we can motivate people through their need to belong, we can do some really wonderful things. So thank you so much for listening. If you have a chance, could you please rate the podcast and share it with anyone you think might enjoy it or benefit from it? Also, Please visit the Crucial Talks website at www.crucialtalks.com and connect with me via email or on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. Have a great week. And remember, if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people.